printed in your bulletin is a congregational prayer of illumination. Would you please stand as you are able to, to pray this prayer with me? Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. If you would please remain standing as we read our scripture lesson this morning from the book of Luke chapter 14 verses 25 through 33. Now hear these words. Now large crowds were traveling with him and he turned and said to them, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to wage war against another king will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. This is the word of God for the people of God. Our thanks be to God. Please be seated. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Is that it? That's it, right? Okay. It's not that easy to say. I'm, I was trying to, I was going to take a little note and figure out where to put it in there because I got a little spot I'm thinking about. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. I was um, I was recently given a fifth grade economics lesson because when you when you have kids, as you know, you end up relearning all of these things that you think you'll never have to ever know again. Well, I had one of those lessons recently as we were studying economics and social studies in fifth grade, and it was opportunity costs. Are y'all familiar with that word? Opportunity costs. I see a few nods, and yeah, yeah, some of you economists, yeah, know exactly what that is because you didn't just do it once and forget it. Um, <laughs> not that I did that, of course, but so opportunity cost, if I understand it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but as I understand it, opportunity cost is so you say you have two choices, and you've got choice A and choice B, and you choose A. The opportunity cost for A is choice B. So you didn't choose it, that's your opportunity cost. You lost that opportunity, that was what it cost you. As well as it may have cost lots of money, that depends on what you're doing, but you know, that's what it is, apparently. So in, in our house, we use this example all the time, you can either do your homework or watch TV. There's an opportunity cost one way or the other, right? And of course, I'm sure you know which one I want my children to choose, you know, do your homework and the opportunity cost will be TV, but the rewards will be great. You will always remember the definition of opportunity cost. That's, that's got to be the way it works. It really does. Uh, but oftentimes there are multiple choices, uh, multiple things that, that come out of um, having a, a choice. You know, you've got, you've got this choice, but then you've got all these other things too. So you can only pick one, 
but you've got to choose it from all these other, other things. And so, you know, um, an example of that might be if you say, you go to the grocery store and you want a pack of Oreos. And as I understand it, the Fellowship Discipleship class had Oreos this morning. I would, I'm so curious to know what kind, because you can have a ton of different kinds of Oreos. So you go and you just want some Oreos. Well, you've got regular, you've got double stuffed, you've got triple stuffed, you've got strawberry, you've got mint, you, apparently you've got some sort of graham cracker or something or another. You have everything under the sun. I even, I looked at that, you, they, I, I, I wasn't sure it was real. Berry burst ice cream Oreos. You can you could have those too. I don't know if that sounds good or absolutely horrible, um, but it's something. But lots of choices. So the opportunity cost. You choose this one kind of Oreo. You don't get these others, right? So you're with me. Opportunity cost. That's what it is. We could talk about spaghetti sauce, right? You go to the grocery store and you have all of these choices in spaghetti sauce. We we could look at sliced bread. You have all of these different choices of sliced bread. We could talk about coffee. Have you been to the coffee aisle lately? Have you seen this wall of boxes that is staring at you and all you want is coffee, right? That's all you want is coffee. And you have all of these, you have seven zillion choices of coffee boxes, these little cups, right? So then, okay, maybe you don't want the coffee cup that this little K-cup thing, maybe you want coffee that's in a bag that you put into your coffee pot. Well, you've got 3,000 choices of those. And well, okay, maybe, maybe you actually like to grind your own coffee beans. You got several hundred at least choices of those. So by the time you're all done, the opportunity cost of not choosing one of these 7 zillion, 3,000 and something boxes is that you've, that's what you didn't choose. You got the one, right? So it's very... This stresses me out. Just, I'm sorry. I have to be honest. Going grocery shopping stresses me out. I don't know. If you ever see me in the grocery store, just either walk away or, or help. I don't, I don't know which. So then the next problem I tend to have is not just between the choices of like what flavor I might want, but then I'm on a budget. We all are. We go to the grocery store. We got a budget. We need to pick things that fit within our budget. So on that little there's a tag at the, on like every shelf usually. There's a tag and they've got the big number that's the price. And then they have this little bitty fine print that you have to really squint at to see. Um, and, and it says something like four cents per ounce or per serving or, or whatever you might be getting, you know, and per item, whatever. It's four cents for this one. So then you go, oh, that's, that sounds like a good deal. So you look over here and that one's two cents. Well, that sounds like the better deal, but then, you, you know, you pick it up and you turn the little box around or whatever it is you're buying and you look at it and right here it's got this table that says nutritional information. Have you ever looked at that? Don't. Um, so <laughs> it's, got, it's got calories on there and, and, and fat grams and, and sodium. So then you get through that part and then below that, usually below that, there's this other little section called ingredients. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's terrible. You look at it and you're like, okay, so it's got, it's got some of this good stuff that I understand. I can pronounce these. And then there's a few more that you can't pronounce and you have no idea what it says. And, and all of a sudden you think you read cyanide and there's pesticide and preservatives and you have no idea what you're buying. You have no idea. So you, you can go healthy. You can go cost effective, you know. Um, but then oftentimes you end up destroying the earth by whatever it is you buy. So, you know, you would just like, it's, it's very stressful going to the grocery store. Am I the only person that has this problem? 
It's very stressful for me. So I figured out that the reason that it is so stressful is in fact that I have these priority issues. I have these conflicting priorities. I want to save the earth. I do. It's a good place. I like living here. I don't want to do stuff that's going to hurt the earth. I also want to be able to eat tomorrow, so I want to be able to, you know, afford what I buy. And I don't want to kill this in the process while I'm feeding my kids this red dye number 40, which actually I don't think will kill them, but I might after they drink it because apparently it makes them crazy. So, wow, I'm just going crazy here. <laughs> but I have these conflicting priorities, right? These issues that come up, these things that bother me when I go to the grocery store. Conflicting priorities. So all of those things come in, and, and it, it has to do with the opportunity cost. What's my opportunity cost there? So if I'm going to go, Carolyn pointed out earlier that if I, if I choose healthy, I could possibly also be choosing save the earth, because those sometimes go together. But they never, ever, ever go with cheap. Ever. So, you know, still conflicting priorities. And those, that's silly stuff. I know it is. It, it's silly stuff. And it really doesn't keep me up at night. It does stress me out at the grocery store, but it doesn't keep me up at night. But Jesus, you know, he, he had some points here that he said, these things are kind of, these things are kind of serious. These opportunity costs, they truly have eternal consequences. Eternal consequences. And so I think that's what he was saying in this group, in this, you know, as we read in the scriptures, there's this big crowd of people that are following Jesus. And he, and he, he turns around to them and he says to them, if you want to be my disciple, you better figure out what your priorities are. You better figure them out. You got to figure out if you can afford to build a tower. You know, I mean, you do that anyway. So if you want to be my disciple, you need to be able to understand how to do that. You've got to figure out, if you're a king, you've got to figure out how to wage war. Right? These are things that you just, you've got to know. You've got to figure out if you are willing to be ridiculed because you are following me. You have to know if you're willing to be ridiculed because you won't listen to certain music. Because it doesn't make you feel like you're following Jesus. Or, or you won't watch certain shows. Or, or you choose to not go to certain places because you want to follow Jesus. Or, or if you're going to follow Jesus, he says, an opportunity cost might be that, that, you know what? You may pray in a restaurant around a whole lot of people, and they may look at you funny when you bow your head. For some people, the opportunity costs are life and death, whether or not they choose to follow Jesus. Jesus calls all of us. He does. He calls all of us. And all of us has a different call. It's a very personal call. It's a very specific call. It is placed on each one of us. So my question for you today is, what is the opportunity cost for you that Jesus has asked you to examine? What is that opportunity cost for you? He called Peter... He called Peter and he said, Peter, I need you to leave your boat and I need you to leave all your fishing gear and come follow me. And he called Levi, the tax collector, and he said, I need you to leave your tax collecting booth and all of that money and come follow me. You know, I believe he called me. I believe he called me into vocational ministry. And I know that he's called many of you into nearly full-time volunteer work. 
and others in lots of other capacities. He has called each and every one of us. He calls. But he says, before you answer the call, I want you, I want you to estimate the cost. That's what Jesus says to all of us. And I think that's the crux of what is really important here in this scripture. A, a distinction between two things. A, a distinction between being a follower of Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus. And we usually use those words interchangeably, and I really think that that's right. I think for the most part that they are interchangeable. I follow Jesus. I'm a disciple of Jesus. But I think in this instance, in this scripture lesson, Jesus is pushing us a little bit more. He's pushing us to dig a little bit deeper. Because when I follow something, when I follow something, say I'm following a news report. I'm following the news report for the earthquake in Italy. It doesn't change my life or, or who I am or how I, believe, how I behave, but I'm following the report, right? right? I kind of know what's, briefly, sort of, I know what's going on over there. What about, what about, there's um, that boy, Tripp, um, I can't call his name, Halstead, thank you, um, that several years ago, he was a young, young boy, a toddler, playing on the playground of his daycare, and a tree branch fell. Now, I follow that story. I follow his mom on Facebook. I don't know her, but I follow that story. I follow how he's doing. I don't know him, but I follow them. Social media, it has really brought this whole idea of, of following something or, or someone to the forefront. It's really made us kind of sit and look and say, well, there's actually a real distinction here, right? Following someone or following their story or following something like that, it doesn't change who I am. It doesn't change my behaviors. It doesn't really change anything I do or how I see the world. But being a disciple... Being a disciple of Jesus, now that, that causes a change. That causes a change. Someone can come to church every single Sunday, every single Sunday, and have the best attendance of anyone ever in the face of, in the history of membership. But when they leave this church, there's nothing. There's nothing that has changed in their life. There's nothing that has changed. What they say and do on Sunday doesn't change what they say and do on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. I was reading uh, through parts of bon Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a, a theologian from the 1900s and um, has an incredible story. But Bonhoeffer wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. And, and you know, he said something that really just made me think in this book. He, um, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically he says that, that Christ comes between believers and the world. Christ comes between believers and the world. And once you are a believer, then you can no longer see the world directly. You've got Christ in between. It's as if Christ is a medium through which you see everything else, through which you interact with everything else. In other words, and, and this is probably a terrible analogy, but it's something that helps me. It's, it's just sort of simple, so maybe you, maybe you can go with me on it. It's as if you put on these Jesus glasses. And, and you see the world through these glasses, like the proverbial rose-colored glasses, right? So, but this is, this is bigger, bigger and better, right? This, these are Jesus glasses. These are better than rose-colored glasses. 
So we have on our Jesus glasses. And we no longer see the world through, through just our own eyes. But we see it through Jesus' eyes. We suddenly see, see the beauty of, the, of humanity and, and of all of creation. We suddenly see that in more detail and in greater depths than we have ever seen before. We see joy even through the tears. We see the heartache in the world and we see the forgotten. We see the lonely and the mistreated, the desolate, the hungry, the poor, the hurt, the list, it goes on and on and on. With Jesus as our medium through which we look, with Jesus as our medium, with our Jesus glasses on, we change how we respond to everything. We change how we respond to everything. And I think that that is the difference between being a follower and being a disciple. And I think that's what Jesus was trying to pull out in the scripture when he was talking to all of these folks that were following him. I think that was it. I think being a follower of Jesus is sort of like putting on temporary glasses like I can do when I can't see up close and, and, and far away. I can, I can take them on and off. I can do what I want. We can put on our glasses when we come to church and we can, we can feel like we're in solidarity with the hurting world. And we can, we can analyze ourselves and, and we can find a few ways that we can improve ourselves and, and maybe be a little bit better person. But the truth is that for many of us, we take the glasses off on Monday. Some of us don't even make it out of the parking lot. And I say that and I'm not really talking about y'all, I'm talking about me. Um, this is a true confession, if you'll give me just a moment. David gave, um, a, he gives really great sermons. And this one time he gave this really great sermon, and I thought about it, and I was like, yes, that's, that's for me. I, he's speaking to me, and he's talking to me. I need to be kinder. I need to, I need to be more patient. I need to be more Christ-like. So that's me. I'm going to do better. And I left, I left here thinking, I'm going to do better. I was hungry. I went to Zaxby's. I was sitting in my long line at Zaxby's, and all of a sudden, you know, there's this, there's this, well, anyway, this woman, she comes out of nowhere, and she cuts in front of me, even though I was still sitting there, quite clearly, my spot, right? Sitting there, she comes pulling in, cuts me off, and then she sits at the box thing and talks to the people forever, <laughs> forever. So me, in my secluded, safe little spot here inside my own vehicle with my windows rolled up, I told her exactly what I thought. Unfortunately, my kids were with me, and one of them said, Mom, didn't you even listen to Pastor David's sermon this morning? <laughs> Thanks a lot, David. <laughs> it was really humbling, though, really. You know, because, I mean, I, I felt like I was making a change. I'd, I'd heard his sermon. It was good stuff. I was going to be better. It didn't last very long <laughs> at all. That day, I took off my Jesus glasses. I took them off. Bonhoeffer says that if we are disciples, that we are committed to Christ, committed. Committed disciples don't take their glasses off. And I add that followers seldom put them on. Jesus said this to the large crowd of followers he had that day, and I think he says it to the large crowd of followers that are here in this world today. He said, if you are truly to be my disciple, if you are truly to be my disciple, then you have to be committed to me. 
You can't waver with conflicting priorities. You can't pretend that I'm a set of glasses that you can take on and off. You see the world. You interact with the world through me. Through me. So if you aren't sure where you are or how you see the world, I want to encourage you to, to dig a little deeper. And I'll tell you, it's not easy peasy lemon squeezy. It was already gone. It's not easy peasy lemon squeezy to dig a little deeper because it's not just simply following acts of piety or, or, or just following a list of rules. It's more than that. It's more than that. No one is perfect, and that is certainly reserved for Jesus, but he is indeed our perfect example, and we can learn more, we can do more, we can be better. We can have our glasses permanently affixed to our faces, and we can see the world the way Jesus really wants us to see the world. And I'm going to give a shameless plug here for our um, disciple studies that are starting up this, sun this Wednesday. Shameful, shameless, I'm not sure which. It's a good study. It's not shameful. Um, but, but me, this study, it's something that has changed my life. Um, it, it's, it's how I began to really dig deeper into the scriptures, doing Disciple One. And I did the math the other day, and apparently it's been about 25 years when I first did it. And I did it again um, several years later. But it's a great study. It's a great study. It's a study that takes you deeper into the scriptures. It's a study, it's called disciple. Do you hear the connection? It's called disciple for a reason because it takes you from being a follower to being a disciple. And whether you've taken it once, you've taken it twice, three times, four times, it's never a bad thing to go through these studies again. It's never a bad thing. Um, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't say it here this morning if I didn't believe it was truly life-changing. Bonhoeffer says, if you want to hear Christ's call, we need to hear it where Christ himself is present. It is within the church, through his word, through his scripture. And it is through the sacrament of holy communion that Jesus calls his beloved. So he calls us. He calls us to follow him. And he calls us to count the cost. He calls us to choose him as our one and only priority. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you have indeed called each and every one of us. You have called us to follow you. And you've called us to count the cost of becoming your disciple. Lord, as we prepare for communion this morning, we ask that you take us from where we are and you move us closer to you. Closer to you today, closer to you tomorrow and forever. We ask that you give us clarity in our moments where we have conflicting ideas of, of what we should do or where we should go. Help us see you as our priority and as our one and only commitment. Lord, we talk all of the rest up to opportunity costs that are so completely worth it as we experience the joy and the divine peace and comfort 
that we receive through being members of your kingdom. 